0: You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, I'm going to share with you one drill that I've been doing in my gym for years and how you can take this one drill and modify it to work on so many other things that it is, it's is—it's probably one of the most efficient drills that I do in our gym and I've been doing it for years and um, I think the improvement that we've seen from our players with this one drill is astronomical and I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that lightly. So It's an episode you definitely don't want to miss. Stay tuned. The Volleyball by Design podcast. What's up ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 154 of the Volleyball by Design podcast. How is everyone doing out there today? Another week of volleyball. I hope you guys are doing well. Uh, I hope I know over here in Canada we had Nationals that just occurred uh last week, I believe, and I want to I hope everyone had a great Nationals experience. I know many of you have your seasons coming to an end, so Uh, You know, I really hope you guys can sit back, kind of decompress a little bit from a long season, uh, enjoy some time off if that's what your plan is, and get ready and recuperate because you have another long season coming up in three months. So, you know, take this time to sit back, reflect. You know, I think that's one one important thing that I learned later in my coaching career is that after a long season, you definitely need time off, and you really need to reflect. So I would do the reflection part before you take some time off, like sit down with your coaching staff, or if you're by yourself, sit down and reflect on the season and, and be intentional about it. You know, write it down. You know, you got this, these things went really well this season. These things didn't do really well. Um, what are the key pillars for next season? Like how can you improve as a coach? What were your weaknesses? Like, you know, you want to really lay it down and that's probably, I, I that's probably an entire episode I could do is, uh, Postseason reflection: What what happens during postseason reflection, and what my process is? Maybe I should actually do that. I'm actually, you know, it's funny. As I as I do these episodes, I start thinking of things on the fly, and if I don't write them down, I am uh, I'm gonna forget them. So I'm literally making a note right now. Postseason reflection process. There you go. Maybe we'll do that one day. Because you know what? We as a coaching staff take take this really seriously, and. I believe, and I truly believe that myself and our coaches, when we do this, we we were able to have a clearer vision on what we need to do for next season, and we're, we're able to execute that at a much higher clip, so it's really important. Anyways, I, uh, I forgot to welcome you guys. Welcome to, uh, my name is Coach Brian Singh. For my new listeners, welcome to the podcast. I hope you guys are doing well, and for my my uh, regular listeners, as always, you know how much I appreciate you guys tuning in, and uh, the goal is, is to give you guys value, you know, give you guys tangible, step-by-step strategies, things you can take back to your gym and apply right away, and that is what I hope to do today. Now, I um, I, I don't know if you guys have been listening in the last couple of weeks, but we've had some tremendous coaches on the podcast that have been delivering amazing seasonal and programming plans and strategies and tactics that I think you could take back. And a lot of them, we had, you know, Coach Chris Wilkins on the pod, twelve provincial championships in a row. Uh, he, in addition to that, which I kind of subtly went over, he had a hundred and fifty-five, I think it was, regular season wins in a row. I mean, what that is unreal. Then we had Coach Tony Clark talking about his fifty-nine win streak. That's a four-year win streak as well. I, I unbelievable. You know, we had so just those two alone. You go, you guys can go listen to, and uh, those are two phenomenal interviews. Next week, I got another one coming up with a national championship uh, coach, multiple national championship coach, to be quite honest. So that's going to be a phenomenal one. So yeah, we got got a lot of great episodes, uh, you know, in the pipeline, and you you definitely want to listen to some of the ones in the past. Uh, But let's let's get to today. So the 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 inspiration for today's episode came from my off-season practice. So right now, I'm currently in the off-season, and a big part of off-season training, um, which I, I could probably do an entire episode again on. Maybe we should do an episode on off-season training. I'll be another one. Look at that. As, I, as I'm thinking about stuff, I'm just writing stuff down. So a big part of off-season for me is we want to focus on you know, things that we need to master or we need to get a lot better at to be successful in our upcoming season. Okay? So- I look at my team and I look at our strengths and I look at our weaknesses and I want to maximize our strengths. Okay. So I want to maximize my strengths, but all of that is going to be predicated on what do we need in order to win this season? And one of the things is that we, this season, we are a fairly talented offensive team uh, relative to the league. Uh, Are we the best offensive team? Not sure about that, but in relative to the past, we are a, a pretty good offensive team. So knowing that, how am I setting my off to look like, what, what am I thinking about? Well, if I know that we're going to be a talented offensive team, then there are certain things that have to happen in order for us to be able to exploit that offensive talent. Things like serving and passing, which mind you is part of every coach's plan in the off season. Let's just be quite honest. We, we know it's part of our, our, you know, our plan. But also in addition to the passing and serving, I know that my setter needs to have the ball in their hands all the time, but in a position where they have all four attackers. So we want to put ourselves in a position where we are be, we're able to run our offense consistently. And that stems from two things. It stems from having phenomenal passing, which many of you know is the key to winning a lot of games. And in addition to phenomenal passing, our ball control needs to be really, really good. Because if we are in a situation where there's a free ball that comes over, and it doesn't matter how that free ball comes over, it could come over in the form of you know just a volley over the net, it could be a down ball over the net, there's a lot of different ways free balls can come over the net. And coaches, I want you to think about this, how many times has a ball came over the net that wasn't attacked? Okay. So an attack is like a tip, a roll shot, a swipe, an actual swing. Like those are attacks. I'm not talking about attacks, but how many times have balls come over the net that are not attacked that you do not capitalize on because your team does not have good ball control. And that's, and mind you, that's all across all six players. I'm talking from your middles have to have good ball control, your pin players. So both your left side and your right side, Your libero obviously has to have good ball control. We're talking about everybody except maybe the setter in this case. And there are many times where, you know, these things happen and you had an opportunity, but unfortunately the setter had to, you know, the setter got pushed away from the net and didn't have all four hitters attacking. We want to minimize that. So a key ingredient for us this offseason is, sorry, that's my son in the background if you hear him. A key ingredient for our... Uh, our off season is going to be ball control and passing huge things. Okay. So knowing that now we have to, we have to dial in and we got to make sure that now that we know that, okay, passing serving is always part of our programming and ball control. Now that's what I've determined. That, okay. We need to be the, the best team in the league at these things for us to be able to execute on our strengths. Okay. So that's one. The second thing, is kind of what I talked about earlier, and I think Coach Chris Wilkins talked about this too, is if you're good at attacking, if you're a good offensive team, then we need to really dial in to make sure we are the best at that. So that's the second part of our off-season planning is going to be to make sure that we are executing on all cylinders our setter hitter relationships are phenomenal where we're not trying to figure it out come september we're not trying to figure out that relationship and get that feel like when the setter gets when the setter is in this location what how are they pushing the ball you know so our hitters are not confused in terms of how what kind of offense we're running so that's another thing we're going to really put an emphasis on being that being strong offensively so notice i didn't talk about block defense i didn't talk about blocking i didn't talk about defense okay um what else did I not talk about? I I guess I didn't talk about different offensive shots, but that's part of our offense, but I didn't talk about block defense. Now here's the funny thing. I am a defensive minded coach and I didn't talk about that yet. So what we'll do with the block defense stuff is as, as it gets closer to the end of off season. Okay. We still, we still are going to chime in block defense a little bit. We'll sprinkle it in a little bit, but we're not, that's not going to be our focus it's not going to be our main focus because you can't like, let's be quite honest in the offseason and i'm getting to more offseason stuff now which i apologize I'm, i should be talking about that on another episode but you can't focus on everything in the offseason it's you you can't it's impossible and that's going to lead me to my next point which is going to get into the, why this one drill is really good because we can't focus on everything in the offseason because you focus on everything you're never going to get anywhere you have to focus you have to really as a coach, and this is the hardest part as a coach, is to dial into what you need to do to win and what you want to maximize on and our, like I just mentioned, passing and ball control and then maximizing on our offense. And unfortunately, ball control and all I sorry, uh, you know, block defense and all that stuff is not there. Now, the only time we will talk about that is if we're doing individual training. So there will be an opportunity for individual training where like middles work you know, on individual middle stuff, you know, left sides on left side stuff, setter on setter stuff, and then we can find, kind of individualize certain things. But that's it. As a team focus, that's our focus. So I want to bring up this thing called the adaptation principle. And that's, this is kind of where it stems. Now, I did talk about this adaptation principle on a ball control training I did. Um, I, it was an episode, I, it was it was back in 2022. It was in, I'll tell you, it's October of 2022. So wherever that is, Uh, that's where the, that's where the episode is. And I can't remember what episode number it was. Um, but it was October of 2022. Uh, let me see. Oh, actually I just, I just looked it up quickly. It was on, uh, where is this uh, episode? Oh, it doesn't even tell me the episode number, but the, it's titled how to effectively train ball control. So if you're listening to this on, um, Spotify, you could just search it. You could search ball control and it'll, it'll pull it up for you. Uh, but if you're not listening to it on Spotify, I don't know how you can do it. But yeah, it's on Spotify. Anyways, this thing called the adaptation principle. So I'm going to read you the principle and then we're going to talk about it. Now, the principle is kind of it's kind of wordy, so I'm going to do my best to explain it. But this principle is the foundation, if you want to call it, for our off-season training, and it has been for years. I just didn't realize it until like last season. Okay. So the adaptation process, the adaptation principle says, changes occur in the organism as a result of the administration of the stimulus. Whoo, that's a load there. The repetitive solicitation of a physiological process or the repetitive practice of a skill induces an adaption so that performance executing tasks is increased. Okay, and the one and the third thing says. The adaptation process is not activated unless the stimulus reaches the minimal intensity zone and duration required. Now, I'm going to explain what that means in more simple terms, okay? The changes of an athlete, of an athlete development, okay? The changes, like the stimulus, that means like the, the training task and load. So whatever the task is and the load. So let's talk about ball control, okay? Ball control is the task and the load is how much we do it. Changes occur when you repeat that over and over and over again until you reach a minimal intensity zone and duration required. So we have to continue. If, if our focus is training ball control, we have to continue training ball control, a continuous repetitive solicitation of the task, and that load, okay, so whatever the load is. So the task is the ball control, the load is, is intensity, how many reps you're getting, we have to train that until a minimum intensity zone and duration is required. So that could be like, you know, it could be 30 minutes every week or it could be 30 minutes, you know, every practice where you focus on ball control. And we don't, and it has to reach a minimum intensity zone and it has to be a minimum of a duration required. Now, if you repeat this often enough, Okay so it mu- it must be repeated often enough so that you're able to activate that stimulus so that you are now in a process where well ball control is easy now it's it's part of our it's part of our body we're we're used to it you know it's 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 part of it's it's just a skill that we've now developed now it does say this adaptation principle does say that all adaptations to training have a temporary effect okay and the de- and it decreases as soon as there is an insufficient frequency. So that means that it decreases as soon as we stop doing it, basically. So the best the best uh, example I can give is like Steph Curry. For those of you that don't know who Steph Curry is, he's a, a player on the Golden State Warriors. He's an NBA player on the Golden State Warriors, and he's arguably the best three-point shooter of all time. He is, um, he is the in NBA history, he's made the most three-pointers than any other player in the, in the history of the league. And I think normally he always leads the league in three-point field goals made, I believe. Okay, So he is a phenomenal three-point shooter, as we've just established. Now, do you think that because he's that good, he stops training the three-point shot? Absolutely not. There are. I mean, I don't know this. I don't know the stats on this. I don't know the proof. But there are. There have been articles that say that he shoots hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of three-point shooters every single day to a point where it's 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 far beyond anybody else on the team, and in addition to other players on other teams. So it's no surprise that he understands he's probably the best three-point shooter of all time. But he continues to activate that process. He can. He repeats it often enough. Okay he hits that minimal intensity zone and duration required every single time. So why do I explain this adaptation principle? Is because now that I understand that we need to reach a minimum intensity zone and we need to reach a minimum duration and stay there over the course of a period of time before the skill is adapted, there is the adaptation principle, before the skill is now part of our repertoire, we gotta do that. So here is where the ball control drill and the passing drills come from. So if you've ever been on a live training that I've done, you may have. If you've ever been on the my uh, I think it's my efficiency, my efficiency workshop. This training, I talk about this one passing drill that is my absolute favorite, and I don't know if, I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the podcast, but I'm gonna I'm going to do it today. And this passing principle or this passing drill. Is 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 this? So if you if you if you if you're driving, I don't want you to close your eyes and visualize this. But if you're not driving, close your eyes and visualize this because it might help you. So we have three players passing on one side and three players passing on the other side. Okay, okay. This is a drill that I think many of you have done. I've modified this drill, by the way, but I'm going to explain the drill that I think many of you have done. So three players passing on one side, three players passing on the other side. We have serving on both sides. So we have serving on one side, serving on the other side. And then we have two targets. So the way it works is both sides serve at the same time. So one player will serve, the other player will serve at the same time. Both sides are passing together at the same time, and then the target catches and rolls the ball back to the serving side so they can continue serving. So you're, you're, you're able to get, so it's not just, you know, one side is serving, one side is passing. It's, it's better than that. We have both sides serving across the net, both sides passing to targets, and targets then um, you know, giving it to the servers to then continue serving. So what we've done is we've noticed that when we do this, when we have three passers, there's a lot of times where one passer will go you know, three, four, five serves without actually touching a ball. Because there's three passers, and then you factor in serve errors, and you know all that type of stuff, there could be times where like five or six balls go and one passer has never touched a ball. There's three passers. So what we've done is instead of doing three passers, we do two passers. So now we have two passers passing on one side, two passers passing on the other side, and same thing, servers are on both sides serving the ball at the same time. Now, when I say serving the ball at the same time, I don't mean like four servers are serving once, four servers are serving, no, it's, it's one person on each side is serving at the same time because the ball is being delivered over the net and it doesn't interfere with you know the passers on that same side. So you can do that. So this is the passing drill. Really, really efficient, really, really effective. Okay, um, uh, what you do is you have two passers passing out of five, six, and then they get serving on both sides so they can pass. So what's really cool is both passers are now involved in the play because they, because they have to know whose ball is what. They, they both have to read. So they're both being involved. The quality of reps increase because they're now getting you know quality repetitions or be, they're being involved in every play. Whether they pass the ball or not, they're still involved. And more importantly, the quantity is increasing as well because now they're getting more balls passed. There's never a situation where they have to go like five serves without getting a ball. This also forces the servers to get used to serving to a certain zone because they're not just serving wildly anymore. Now they have to serve to the five, six seam if that's where your passes are passing out of. And then as you do more rounds... You can then switch to the one six seam, where servers now have to focus on serving to the one six seam. So servers are getting quality serving reps, passers are getting quality passing reps, and then you could throw in setters as targets, and the setters can now get those balls set to a target, and then the target can then give it to the servers. So a lot, of, a lot of pros when it comes to a drill like this. So now we have taken this drill, this concept of this drill, and what we have done is we've turned it into a ball control drill. And here's what we've done, okay? So we have, and if you don't have boxes, that's, it's fine, but we have boxes, one box is on one side of the court, one box is on the other side of the court. We'll have one player standing on top of a box, on each side, and then we have, same thing, two people on one side of the court passing, two people on the other side of the court passing. We have a target, and the target rolls the ball back to the person on the box. The person on the box is going to have someone beside them, feeding them balls, okay? And that's how you set up the drill. So here's what's really good about this drill, okay? There's not a lot of errors that happen. So let me just recap the drill really quickly so you understand. We have two people passing on one side, but they're ball control passing, not serve receive. And we have two people passing on the other side, ball control passing, okay? So two and two. We have two targets, we have, A player on a box on both sides and then we have a player that's feeding the player on the box ball so they can down ball over the net so they're not serving they're just on the box tossing to themselves and hitting the ball over the net so it's not like a heavy serve it's like a 60% serve and our passers now are getting multiple repetitions of ball control Multiple balls being down, like down balled across the net. The reason we have players on the box is to increase um, efficiency, to decrease the errors that they might get if they're on the ground. You might they might you know hit into the net more times than when they're on top of box. If you don't have boxes, you can absolutely have them on the ground. And all we're doing is we're focusing on ball control. And this drill, see, this drill is stems from the passing drill. Same same idea, but now. They're getting quality, quality reps because the balls are being driven to them consistently. Like when you're, when you're doing the serve receive drill, after a server goes, you have to wait till the other server goes, and that might take like five or 10 seconds for them to get in their rhythm and then do their serve. This one is constant. When the player's on the box, after they swing, they get fed another ball, and then they swing again. They get fed another ball, and then they swing again. Now, if you would like to see this drill in action, I have it on my Instagram. Maybe I'll link, I'll actually link this video, this Instagram uh, video to uh, to the show notes so you can see this drill in action to see what it looks like, okay? And if you are a DVA member, by the way, DVA members, you're going to get a chance to see all my practices in the off-season, and in the, I actually... Um, so, f- f- I, I I did post this drill on my Instagram page so for everyone to see it. But DVA members, there are a lot of drills that I'll be doing inside this off season that I'll be posting inside DVA that I will not be posting public. So you guys will get access to that. So go in there and then also DVA members, if you're listening to this, um, I do I actually explain a lot of things as the drills happening, so you'll know what to focus on when you're when you're assessing these players. For the sake of my podcast, I don't get into that. Um, I'm just I'm just talking about how to think about doing these drills and by the way my podcast listeners if you are interested in following along the journey of my off season and getting behind the scenes to what we're doing in our gym and how and how we're structuring drills and the feedback we're giving athletes and more importantly what we're looking for in athletes to correct certain things uh, you definitely you definitely want to want to check that on dva go to digital the links in the show notes to find out more information and if you don't know what dva is by the way um DVA is, is way more than what I just described. It's it's my mentorship program for coaches. And inside DVA, you get a chance to see not just behind the scenes to what we're doing in our gym and our practices. That's just a, a fraction of what we do in DVA. It is um it's a program where no matter where you are in your coaching journey, you can find yourself and you'll you'll see and know exactly what you need to do to get to the next level of your coaching. Um because I have I, I've built over three years uh courses that touch on all the positions in our game. And I've done live trainings on all the type of different things you could do to your, to your program to get it to the next level. Because I've been on that coaching journey. I know exactly what it was like to be an elementary coach, a high school coach, a college coach, a club coach, uh, to like, and I work with professional coaches. So I, I know the journey of a coach. So no matter where you are, you can find the right tools in DV to help you get there. And then I have the live trainings To help support you so if you like for example if you want to know how to create a volleyball manual or you want to know how to create a certain thing in your program and you're not sure about it I have a live training on it and it actually opens up your world to to what it takes to get to that next level you know it's not just a it's not just like by the way I say this all the time knowing more drills does not make you a championship coach and coaching volleyball is just a part of it. Like you have to learn how to run a program. You have to learn how to create and build a volleyball program. And that's what I show you inside DVA. So there's a lot more. I don't I don't want to bore you guys on this podcast about DVA because like, once I get started, I don't stop because I'm so passionate about it. But head on over to Digital Volleyball Academy. You'll, you'll get all the information there. And uh, just between us, like, uh, coaches that have been inside DVA have been crushing it. They, their growth has been astronomical versus if they weren't inside DVA and, and going at it alone. So it's it's a, it's a proven system that works. And yeah, uh, I'm, I'm super proud of it. I love it. And I always like to talk about it. But anyways, long story short, DVA members, you'll get access to, to all this stuff. You'll see what it means by the, by the adaptation principle and how we're maximizing this in our gym. So we now take this passing drill, okay? And we've modified it have a ball control aspect to it so they're getting quality reps they're getting quality reps they're getting quantity now and I'll tell you just in we've been doing it for two practices now and everyone does this by the way setters middles you know middles who by the way this is just as important for middles as it is for left sides because when a middle serves and the other team is attacking they're going after that middle right? If, if they're in a free ball situation, they're free balling it to either the center or the middle because they know that's the weakest person in ball control. We want to make sure that our middles ha- are comfortable controlling the ball. Not to mention when the ball gets trickled over the net and the middle's backing off to peel, they may have to control that ball. So we have to we absolutely have to have middles have good ball control. And just in two practices, the ball control from our team has increased significantly because we we, we are very intentional about how to train ball control. We are intentional about what we're looking for, you know, in terms of making sure their platform is formed correctly, making sure they're moving their feet, making sure they're making the right reads and understanding the cues that they need to be looking at when it comes to, you know, interpreting that ball and how to, how to, handle that ball with their platform or with their hands and we're very intentional about it and if you and based on the adaptation principle if you continue this for a long duration hitting that minimum intensity zone that skill is going to become innate and by September we should be a very very good ball control team so that's why off season is so important because if this was in season we would not have time to do this we wouldn't because in season, we have a match coming up the next night. I can't do ball control for 45 minutes or half an hour. I got to focus on what we need to do to win the next game. So we don't have time to do this in season. Off season, you definitely have time. So as a coach, you got to figure out what your, what your weaknesses are, what your strengths are, where you want to play, where you want to uh, you know, have your focus and go all in on that. And that is the key to player development and off season planning, which I'm going to do another episode now that I realize there's a lot to talk about, about that, Okay. Uh, So, when it comes to ball control, by the way, these players, when they go on the court, make sure they're going into the positions that they're going to play. So, make sure the setters are having ball control out of one. Make sure the middles are having ball control out of five and potentially uh, three for those over the net ones. Like, have them there. You want to make sure they're there so that they're can they in the right spots to get that ball control, okay? Uh, There are different types of uh, ball control that, that you want to work on as well. Like there's different types of balls that can come over the net. You know, there's the regular free ball pass. Um, there is off the blocker's hands. So I- imitating that to make sure that we have good ball control off the blocker's hands. There are, you know, free balls that can go deep. So make sure we're playing deep free balls, short free balls. Um, you know, like there's a lot of different types of ball controls. So you, you want to make sure that you're aware of them and you understand you know how to how to how to, how to like how the players had to go okay the players have to know their responsibility on the court as well so that comes with more ball control sometimes they may be like well I wasn't my ball well they have to know if it's not their ball or not so knowing their responsibility is also important and then they have to also be able to identify when there's a free ball versus when there's an attack. Uh, now that is not covered more in this drill. That's just me just mentioning to you that it's important for your players to understand the difference between a free ball versus attack. Okay? Now I understand that ball control can be tedious and boring. I understand that. And as a result, you know, players may not get focused. So what we've done in this drill specifically, and mind you, at the college level, um. They, it's a little bit easier because they understand what's at they, they understand like why this is important. They understand the purpose of it, and they want to master it. And I, I tell our guys too, you know, you have to you have to fall in love with this. Like if this is what we need to do to be a better team, you need to love it. You need to come to this gym and be excited about doing ball control. We gotta change that mindset so that when you do change that mindset, all of a sudden now you know you're you're it's just, it's just a a much better vibe and it's a, and it's a much better intention. So what we'll do is re- is really simple. Um, DVA members, you have my practice plan inside DVA, so you'll see this. And maybe maybe you know what? Maybe you guys on the podcast, maybe I'll give you guys a sneak preview of what it looks like. I, I won't obviously do this every week because that's not fair to my DVA members who are part of my program, but I, I might give you a sneak preview of what it looks like. So what we do is we'll uh um, we'll, we'll we'll have teams. So we'll have teams doing this drill and so one team will always be on one side, one team will always be on the other side, and the people that are doing ball control, like so, if they're downballing, they're on the same team. So they're downballing to the players that are on their team. And what we'll do is we'll see how many good balls they got to the center. So I'll have one coach watching one side and one coach watching the other side, and we'll put, we'll put like a three-minute timer on, and after the three minutes. Well, well they, they're like counting as we go. So as we see a good pass, it's one, a good pass, two, three, and then I'll write it down and we'll have like, in three minutes, we'll have like, you know, 40, 40, one team had 40 good balls, one team had 41 good balls. And I'll write that down. And then the next group goes, because in a team, like if you have 12 players on a team, right, that's like six players on each side. So you'll have three rounds in theory, right? Because everyone has to go. So three rounds of good ball control. And at the end, we'll see who the winner is, and then the losing team does a consequence of some sort. So we there, that's adding an element of gamification into it so that we can keep them focused and dialed in and also have a little bit of fun. So yes, you can make these boring, fundamental-driven, quantity-driven drills fun by adding a little bit of gamification to it. And that was just a simple example of what we've done. And I've done the same thing with my passing drill. I've done the same thing with the butterfly drill, you know, all that stuff, okay? Okay. So let's recap. You know what? I kind of went on a lot of tangents this episode. I apologize, normally I don't do that, but I went on a lot of tangents this episode. So let's start. The purpose of this episode, by the way, was to show you this one key drill that you can use in your gym and how I've modified this drill to help with passing and ball control and maximizing the reps. And also the purpose of this drill was to understand why and how it's important to implement the adaptation principle in your drill. So a quick recap. I talked a little bit about off season, which I'm going to do an entire episode on off season to to help with this because it, it's important. So we talked about off season, the importance of off season. We talked about you know what what uh what it, what it means to practice the same skill and how to distinguish what skills you need to focus on in the off season, the weaknesses and the strengths of your team. Uh, you know we don't want a lot of players standing around. We want to maximize our quantity and quality. Um, I I what else did I talk about? I talked about yeah, so I talked about the adaptation principle. Um, I talked about how our team's been improving because of it. Uh, and just to recap, the adaptation principle is doing a skill over and over and over again until you've hit that minimum intensity zone where now the stimulus, the body is now acquiring that skill. But you have to continue working on it because it's that that effect can be temporary if you stop doing it. So that's the adaptation principle. And um, I explained the passing drill. I talked about how we modified it. Oh, another thing you can do too, by the way, uh, is small group work. So let's say, for example, you have an off season where there's only you know four players. That's okay, four players is fine because that same drill you can do, all that happens is it's just one side now. It's not two sides. So if you have four players, here's what you do. You have two players that are passing the ball on one side of the court. You have a target and then you have someone on the box that is downballing to them. And you as the coach are the feeder. That's it. And and that's it actually is better when you have a smaller number because your players now are going to get quality quality reps. Like four players is all you need for quality reps. And if you had three players that what happened is you would, you would take out a, a ball control person. So now you have one person getting ball control, you have one person being a target, and you have one person doing down ball, and then you are feeding the ball to the person doing the down ball. And the person doing the down ball is not very good at that skill. This is the time for them to get better, or you can do it as well, okay? So even even three players and you is fine, but a minimum of three players is, is required for a good off-season session. I have an entire episode on how to run off-season and in individual training, but three players is kind of a minimum I would have to have really good quality and quantity. Because even like if this was a hitting drill, for example, you need a setter, a hitter, and you need someone to put the ball over the net. You know? And then you could be the feeder. You know, that, no matter what skill you're working on, you need, three people is kind of like the minimum. And that way you could maximize. Same thing with passing three players and stuff like that. Because you want to get quality reps in. Okay. All right. I spoke a lot, and I apologize. This, and I, I feel like this, this episode more than any other episodes was kind of all over the map. I went on a lot of tangents, but I will say there was tangible stuff you could take back to your gym. That's my. It's always my promise. My promise you could take tangible stuff back to your gym, and there was a lot of information you could take back. The adaptation principle, the drill, the modification of the drill. How to set up certain things, and how do you can by the way take this drill and modify it in whatever way you want. You know, if you have players for two sides, you have players for one side. Um, make it how to gamify it, uh, and then what else did I? What else? There was one more thing. Yeah, and then the just just to understand like uh, how to you know how to do it, and then I gave you guys um, DVA digitalvolleyballacademy.com. It's links in the show notes as well. Uh, DVA members, you got an entire live training. And by the way, DVA members, we will be doing a live training on off-season as well because I think it's important for you to see and understand how to create your own off-season. All right, that's it for me. Uh, If you have have any questions, um, shoot me a message on Instagram. Love to hear from you. If you got anything you want to talk, if you want to just give me some comments too, shoot me a message on Instagram. I'd appreciate that. All right, that's it for me. I'll see you guys next time, or rather, I'll see you guys next week on another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast. Take care. All right. Cue the music. Look. Are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training? And instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days? When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. Let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBTraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball volleyball goals.